I remember distinctly one day sitting down with my boyfriend and he was like, you have enough to pay this off. Why don't you just do it? And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Show, your weekly podcast about real difficult money stories, overcoming financial obstacles, and tips for building healthy money habits. Welcome to episode 27 of the Money Fit Show. I'm your host, Todd Christensen. Please stick around for this enjoyable conversation with an entrepreneur college student turned hairstylist turned salon owner turned business coach. I promise it will all make complete sense in the end. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Huh? Kelly Knudsen is a small business coach and podcast host based in the Pacific Northwest. She has a bachelor's degree in entrepreneurship, is debt-free, and has learned many money lessons along the way. She believes our relationship with money dictates the financial choices we make in business and life, and she's on a mission to help people reframe, reframe how they think about money and implement sustainable systems to help them achieve financial and life goals. And it is my pleasure to welcome you, Kelsey Knutson, to the Money Fit Show. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm very excited for this conversation. Me too. Uh, there's there's several things in that introduction <laughs> that that uh, catch my attention, and I, I I'm gonna come. We're gonna make sure we address those. But first things first. I always ask my guests a little get to know you question. Uh, this one is one of my favorites. Uh, more recently. Uh, Kelsey, if you could go back to, let's say, elementary, middle school, maybe even high school, is there a teacher or mentor or coach that you would like to say thank you to and why? Oh, wow. That is a great question. I crammed a lot into my education years, so Mm -hmm. it's hard to pick just one. If I had to pick just one, it would probably be my newspaper teacher, Mrs. Losey, Mrs. K. Losey, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll have to send this to her. But yeah, I, do. I, I had the opportunity of being editor of my school newspaper. We had a little bit of drama happen where we had some legal stuff go on. And it was just such a great learning opportunity to kind of be a part of that process as a high schooler and learn a lot just about freedom of speech and all that stuff. So thankful yeah. for her to allow me to be a leader in that scenario. And I'm just so appreciative for that time. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I always, uh, you know, you never express gratitude enough. And I, and I think uh, um, teachers could, could always hear it from, you know, their, their past five, 10, 15 years yeah. ago, whenever it was. So a long time, but yes, thank awesome. you. <laughs> Good. Yeah. All right. Well, Kelsey, want to, um, and now again, speaking of going back, let's take you back to, your growing up years. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in the Pacific Northwest, by the way? Yes. I've lived in Washington state my whole life. A Washingtonian. Right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I don't know what else they, we try and call somebody from Washington. Washington no. ton, ton. <laughs> doesn't work, but yeah. Washingtonian. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what do you remember about money growing up? What did you think about it? What were your uh, feelings around it? What, what was your relationship to money? You know, I also have to shout out my parents for, 
they tried their best. We'll get into it later, but I had my own <laughs> little, <laughs> they tried very hard and I had my own little moment when I had my money aha, despite their best efforts. But right. they set up a savings account when I was a kid. We would always deposit money in the bank. They tried their best to instill good money habits. My dad has always been very frugal. He's the guy who has holes in his socks and just keeps going <laughs> despite, I like him. yeah, he's just, <laughs> you know, saves the money and my mom also loves to celebrate and live in the moment. And so they really had to learn to balance each other out. So the example I got was one of compromise. How, to, how do you yeah. kind of do both and make sure our goals line up and that we're raising our kids on the same page and we're setting ourselves up for success without you know living beyond our means and such. So I, I grew up in a pretty healthy environment in regards to the money mindset stuff. It just yeah. It's so different when someone's telling you what to do versus when you're doing it yourself. And then add yeah. having a business. And then that is a very humbling opportunity to learn Absolutely. even more about it. So, yeah. Absolutely. I like the foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember uh, actually deposit, did, uh, <laughs> depositing money in savings? Do yes. You, did, you, did your parents take you to the, to the bank or credit union or do yeah. you just remember seeing money go off the, t- uh, off the table? Yeah. You know, uh, every birthday, Christmas, our family, friends, if, if we got money from anything, we would compile all of it and a percentage of it. My dad would let me put my little piggy bank that I could spend how I wanted to, which now mm-hmm. in hindsight, I'm like, you should have deposited all of that dad. Cause <laughs> I don't have any of those things I bought, you know, when I was a tween yeah. and a teen, but right. I remember I'd go to the bank, I'd fill out, I'd balance my checkbook and all those things. So yeah, despite having those healthy habits and that's why I'm happy to be here and share this yeah. honesty, you know, you kind of have to sometimes learn the hard way. Yeah. So uh, we're going fast forward in a few <laughs> years. Yeah. I mean, you know how to bounce a checkbook, which yeah. a lot of, a lot of our listeners like uh, a checkbook. I haven't looked at my checkbook for a decade. Right. Cause right. they think, well, if you're only using a debit card, you don't need a checkbook. Uh, we'll just, I'll just say <laughs> it's still very powerful tool yeah. uh, skill. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's uh, fast forward a few years. You're uh, off to college or, or at college. I don't know if you went away to college or if you stayed there in the area? Oh, I went to Washington State University, which as you guessed is still in Washington, correct? So grew up on the west side, went to school on the east side, eight miles from the Idaho border for people who aren't familiar. And yeah, I just jumped in there. Great. The Cougars are great. Great. uh, (laughs) University. Yeah. Um, So you're not at home. You're not even within, uh, well, you are within driving distance for laundry, but that would be like a five, (laughs) six hour drive, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not some, you know, it's not that close to family. You are on your own. Yeah. Um, and, and things, how'd they start off? They start off pretty good. You're, you're budgeting, you're balancing your checkbook. You know, Um, I, I will say, um, I love my parents and I know they're going to listen to this. You guys are amazing, (laughs) but I just have to also say going into college, we never had a very clear conversation about how to pay for it. Yeah, uh, They kind of loosely said, if you got any scholarships or grants that would go towards your side and we'll cover half, but yeah. we really just didn't have that clear cut conversation. And unfortunately I went through 2008 through 2012, every year tuition went up quite a bit. So mm-hmm. it, what started to be our budget initially completely changed within four years. So yeah. it was it was hard not knowing how much money I literally had to have to pay my portion of it. And I, they worked hard to not have me be in debt. I worked hard to also not be in debt. And I ended up taking on multiple jobs. At one point, I think I had four jobs in college. Really? And 
I once. Yeah. Yeah. I was a dance teacher. I worked at a coffee shop. I was doing some market analysis work through the college of business. Um, Mm. There's something else that I'm missing, but yeah, I was, I was hustling. I definitely was like, well, I have to pay in my bills. So how do I do that? I just exchanged time for money and I knew I had enough to kind of live by, but I didn't really have a firm grasp on the reality because again, I didn't know how much I needed. And also I was living my life in college. If I'm going to be honest, I was having a good time. (laughs) You're a college student, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So what was, what was, do you remember the kind of the first sign of, uh, or an early sign of, I'm not sure things are going the direction I'm wanting them to go. I don't know if it was a, you know, not being able to do something you thought you should be able to afford or getting a notification from a credit card or a bank or what, what was, what was uh, some of the early signs there? I would say there's two pivotal moments. One being when I got a notice from the bank, I had overdrafted my checking account. And again, Mm -hmm. I grew up with healthy money habits. So I was extremely embarrassed when that happened. And that was a massive wake up call. And the other would be when I had the opportunity to study abroad and I pulled the plug because in the scarcity mindset, I think there's two things here. One, literally the money itself, but also my mindset and my relationship with it needed to shift as Mm -hmm. well. And I, I remember having the opportunity to study abroad and I was almost going to go and last minute I canceled because I was like, oh, you know, I need to work and save up some money. Well, mm-hmm. I worked and yeah, I made money, but I ended up just spending it on clothes and drinks and coffee mm-hmm. and lunches. And so I, I think my mindset really needed to shift when in regards to money and especially now being a business owner too. I totally attribute a lot of my success to changing how I think about money, earning it and, and tracking it and all of that stuff. So what, how did you see money? <laughs> Uh, before you, you talked about exchanging yeah. time for money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that basically your relationship that it's just something I I'm going to just have to get to get what I want. And it's going to take away from my life because I'm yeah. time is gone now or yeah, it was how very do, do much for sure. It was very much the more you work, the harder you work, the more you'll make. Right. So if I just mm-hmm. take on those extra hours at the coffee shop, if I just do an extra dance class, I had a very limited belief system when it came to ways to earn money. And I just didn't know there was an alternative. My thought was get a good degree, go work for a big corporation and get a good stable job where they'll just pay you great money. And if you need to work overtime, you make more money. That's just truly what I believed at that time. And, you know, my dad's one of the hardest working, hardest working people that I know. And that's kind of his method too. He just, he's the guy, he was in leadership. He was a, he's a retired police chief. And Mm -hmm. his whole thing was, you know, he would take home reports. He'd work after hours. He wasn't paid for those hours because your salary, but he just really worked hard and he believed hard work meant more money. Yeah. Yeah. All very merit based and (laughs) and hardworking. Yeah. Uh, And so how do you, when, when uh, that changed, apparently that, right. that, that mentality <laughs> before you started your own business. But yeah. um, so are we out of college yet? You started your business after college, I'm assuming. Yeah. You know, I, I started some side hustles through college and then what kind of happened is I studied entrepreneurship by process of elimination in college. And yes, that's <laughs> somehow a major. Um, I have opinions about that. I think yeah, I have some opinions about that. I'm thankful. I have no regrets in my life, but I do think you kind of have to do the thing to really be an expert in it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. now having done it. But after that, I was like, I want to be a business consultant, totally had imposter syndrome, totally just had no idea what to do. I was starting to shift. I was working with more kind of 
creative people, photographers. I was doing hair and makeup. It was a passion that kind of came out of nowhere. So I was meeting these people Mm -hmm. who maybe had an unconventional approach to their career. And I was starting to see all these different examples. And I remember Todd at, at this point, I interviewed with Target to work with them and Mm -hmm. I made it through, I think it was three rounds of interview. The last interview, they asked me, you would not be running your own business. You would be working for us. Would you Mm -hmm. really be okay with that? And I just said, no, I just blocked (laughs) myself from getting the job. And that was my (laughs) aha moment of like, okay, maybe, maybe my whole idea of success, where I want to go, actually, I'm not being honest with myself. And maybe there's a route I just don't fully see yet. And I just trusted Mm -hmm. that it would find its way. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is this answer going to block me from, from getting the job? Hold on a second. Yes. Uh, once you got out, okay. So mm-hmm. once you got out of college and you were, you were working for yourself, um, was all your, were all your money challenges, you know, you, you, you'd bounce. Did, uh, tell me, you, did you bounce just one check? Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yes. But, but yeah, there's more to, to that, um, to my money what? story there. That's just the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I went through a time where I think I bounced like six in one week. Oof, yeah. And that was, that was, uh, that was a frustrating week. Yeah. But so, but you made it through college. What, what was life financially rosy at that point? You have a degree, oh, you're an entrepreneur, you're funny. You yeah. a degree in entrepreneurship. <laughs> you know, no, I, so I fumbled through that interview, um, had an identity crisis. I stayed in Pullman, Washington, the college town, worked at a coffee shop, teaching mm-hmm. dance, got a part-time job with the college of business. And I made this latte for this lady who looked Pullman's a true small college town. Mm -hmm. She looked a little more city and I made her coffee. We get to talking. I'm from Seattle. I work for the Seattle office of the university and I was able to actually get a full-time job there, which is amazing. And I was just happy to have a full-time job. It was actually doing business consulting, but through the university. So in my head, it was the perfect merriment of these things that Mm -hmm. I want to get over there. The pay, I'm just happy to get a stable paycheck. I realize it's right. not enough to afford to live in the city. So I'm living at my parents' house. I'm working this full-time job. I love pieces of it, but ultimately I wasn't happy. So I decide kind of on a whim to quit everything and go mm. to beauty school. And that is the first time I actually entered debt. Uh-huh. So there we are. We've we've arrived. <laughs> so so quit. <laughs> Quit on a whim. <laughs> no, you didn't have like uh, a savings for school tuition and no. uh, and living expenses for a while. No, yeah, yeah. I. Right. What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's we all go through that. We all uh-huh. do that. Uh, but it, you know, you're. We were told growing up, yeah. follow your dreams, right? So this is what you want to do. Yeah, I. Part of it was so. It was a weird situation where I was in the Seattle office, but I actually had two part-time positions, which meant Mm. I had two responsibilities, two bosses. The job that I loved was part-time director of a program. The other job was an admin assistant and balancing Mm. those two worlds was just not sustainable. So, you know, you have politics involved and funding and all that stuff. We tried really hard to move me full-time in that directorship role. And mm-hmm. frankly, we just couldn't get the funding. And yeah. when that was that hard no came through, that's when I was like, I can't continue to do this the way I'm doing it. It's not sustainable. I'm not happy. I'm commuting an hour and a half each way. 
And like, why am I doing this? And that's at that point, I was already doing hair and makeup just as a total passion. And that's when, Mm -hmm. if I'm honest with myself, I always knew that I wanted to do what I'm currently doing. I just didn't really know how to plug it in fully. And so I was like, well, I do hair. So maybe I'll just get my license and make that Mm -hmm. legit. That will be the easiest way for me to start a business. And that was my entire mentality going into it. I took a weekend to think about it. My boss came in Monday and I told him, hey, this is what I'm doing. And he was like, I had no idea you even did hair. Where is this coming from? So I had to give that whole history. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was on a whim, but it was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship for half my tuition. So my debt was just half of tuition, but it, it was still a big wake up call. That's the first yeah. time I was in that position financially. Yeah. Well, yeah, following your dream doesn't mean everything's <laughs> perfect, right? Right. right. So, so you incur some debt. Yeah. And how long, how long did it take to get you uh, through the school? Um, 11 months. Okay. Yeah. And it's, I mean, trade school is very different than college. I Uh had perfected what classes to take to be able to still be in a sorority and still work a job and balance all the things in trade school, Mm -hmm. especially with hair, you're physically, it's physically demanding on your body. So the idea of having a job on top of that was pretty much impossible for me. And for me, again, thinking of my goals, I wanted to be as successful as quickly as possible to be able to open my own salon. That was my laser focused goal. All right. So yeah, it's, you're on your feet, you're, yeah. you're working, your arms are and your shoulders. I got to imagine your shoulders yeah. are just beat after, after a day. Um, you're now in debt Yeah. yeah. and you come out and you have a degree in entrepreneurship. <laughs> so you're clearly thinking I'm going to be starting my own salon at right. some point. Yeah. Is that, did you just go right into that or was the, were the finances there yet or I what, what came next? Yeah. I hadn't, awesome opportunity to interview a bunch of salon owners before school and during school when I was kind of jumping into that world and just picked their brain and all of them recommended some sort of apprenticeship after school. School teaches you how to pass a test and the art of doing hair and doing it well comes from learning from experts. And so I really sought out an apprenticeship program and was fortunate enough to be the first in a small salon called AFH salon up in Seattle, Washington, which was my dream. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was able to learn and grow there. I spent about three years there before starting my own thing. And I needed it. I needed to refine my skill. I needed to build up a network of clients because just because people are friends with you doesn't mean they buy from you. So <laughs> true. So yeah, I spent about three years learning under some experts and then went off and opened my own space. How are you dealing with uh, student loan debt at that point? I am all my tips I'm saving. I'm putting in a jar and I'm paying off as much as I can, as quickly as I can. My boyfriend is also very frugal. So I'm getting, I'm getting it in one side from my dad. I'm getting it on the other side from my boyfriend. And finally, I remember I was making beyond the minimum payments. I wasn't really, you know, work paying things off. I really was trying to, that was my focus. I didn't want to do anything else extravagant until I could do that. Mm And then I decided to buy a car. So that added to the list as well. And I remember distinctly one day sitting down with my boyfriend and he was like, you have enough to pay this off. Why don't you just do it? And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. And it took, it took just looking at it really uh, for me to realize that. But along the way, it was my mental um, goal. My financial goal was 
paying over minimum. If I could pay, even if it was 50 bucks over the minimum payment, that was a win in my book and months where I made more in tips, I would put more towards those two things. So yeah, I was able to be debt free. I believe it was three years after I bought my car and also the student loans were paid off by then too. And that's about the time you're ready to to start your own business. Exactly. So I was able to start my business debt-free, which was a really big goal of mine. Were you still, were you still, um, do you think you were still in this mentality of uh, scarcity at that point? Oh, big time. (laughs) uh, You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people may not understand or may, may have a different way of thinking of scarcity versus abundance. Abundance doesn't mean you just spend because you think there's enough money to go around. Right. Right. Well, what's, what does the the mentality of scarcity feel like or look like day in and day out? What do you, what are you worrying about and what are you thinking about? Yeah. It's obsessively checking how many clients are on your books. It's um, when an opportunity to invest in yourself, either with like a business coach or a new camera that would help you take better photos or those things. It's not even entertaining those ideas because I don't have enough money for that. It's that mentality that is dictating the decisions you're making, not only for your business, but also for your life. And I really, I'm a business coach now to spoil everything, but um, (laughs) one of the key things I speak to with my clients is you have to kind of stare it in the face first. And then from there, you can start to create these processes. And it's not, it's not a contest. I'm never going to judge someone's money choices. My goal is to equip people to have tools in place so they can make these decisions and they're not coming from a place of, oh, I don't have enough. Maybe it's a big investment, but maybe if they realize, oh, if I set aside $50 every month in six months, I can pay that off. Here's what I would get if I buy that thing. And just being able to take that step back and realize, even though it may feel kind of scary or big right now, it may actually help you in the future. And on the opposite of that, you're investing money. Anytime you spend, it's an investment of today you or future you. And so really having again, that tool in place to be able to make those decisions quickly and know, take out the shame of it, but know confidently the choices that you're making are going to help today you or future you and being at peace with those choices. So you, you talked, you, you mentioned several times that future and yeah. that things uh, that are, that are six, eight, 12 months down the road. That's, I, I, it sounds like that's a big part of, of, of overcoming this the scarcity mentality that you have to start looking at, you know, what, what, what is this going to have? What effects is going to have on me in the future? What, how can it help my future self, not just my fear of not having enough money this week or today? Absolutely. And I think when you're desperate, now I'm talking to business people here, but yeah. I think when you are desperate for customers or clients, that energy really shows up and people can sense it. But if you come from a place of you know, this is exactly who I love to work with, this is how you work with me, the people will come then it just has a cleaner energy when it comes to social media, marketing, how you talk about your business and just your overall approach to everything that you're doing. And I think that shift is really important. And anytime I can help a business owner work through that shift, it's just been massively successful for them. As you're getting ready then to, to start your own business, you, you started it or did, did you buy a salon and, yeah. and make it your own? Yeah, I started my own thing. Um, it was a studio situation, which was perfect for me because it's a physical space that already existed. There's no build out, but I'm my, I'm my own LLC within the space. So I have to market right. myself, pay all of my own taxes, do my books, all of those things. And 
I was eager to put on that business owner hat, having the degree, having a little bit of experience helping other business owners. I was so excited to do it for myself. Yeah. 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 What, um, how long, how long, I mean, the, the, the scary part of starting your business is you have no income. Yep. <laughs> did you, did you take any sort of, uh, take on any sort of business debt at that point? I no. I, I made very smart decisions in the beginning. I negotiated my lease, um, to be a little bit, my rent to be a little, there was a deal she was running where you could have two weeks free rent. And I renegotiated to have a lower rent for a longer period of time. So I could pay her money right away, but have that savings last a little bit longer. And so that's something I did. I only bought what I absolutely needed with the exception of some branded coffee mugs because I couldn't help myself. <laughs> but uh, I was really lean with my startup costs. And I knew I knew I had a good skill set. I was fortunate where I opened my salon was about a 15 to 30 minute drive from my previous salon, depending on traffic, you know, Seattle, <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on traffic. Um, so I knew some people would follow me and I had ran my numbers in my previous salon. I knew how much money was coming in. If I were to pretend to be a business with those numbers, I knew I was going to be successful. And I was fortunate, fortunate enough to actually hit six figures in 11 months. Nice. Yeah. But was that uh, stress-free? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you asked this question. I actually, my aha around balance, self-care, all that stuff actually happened when I was still working for someone else and I fainted on the job. I had Mm -hmm. put color on my client's hair. I was totally dehydrated. My lunch that day was a coffee and it it was on me. I scheduled my day that way. I didn't prepare my day well and I fainted and someone else had to finish my client's hair and I had to cancel the rest of my day. My boyfriend had to come pick me up. Oh, wow. And that was a really big, what are you doing? <laughs> yes, your industry uh-huh. is physically demanding. As you mentioned, your shoulders may hurt and stuff, but also there's things you can do to set yourself up for success that you're not doing. And so I, when I started my business, really sat with that. Like, what is my optimal schedule to ensure I'm taking the best care of myself that I can? And I'm not perfect. I always tell people I'm a constant work in progress. I share my mess along the way. But for me, I learned, okay, four-day work weeks, no longer than eight hours a day. And I have I have to pack snacks. I have to plan ahead. I have a big water bottle and all of those things and really plugging that in. And then the other thing, Todd, that I did that was crazy is before I even opened doors, I blocked out a vacation two months out. Hmm. <laughs> and I didn't even have money for it yet, but I was like, well, that's my goal. I haven't even started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. So- so it forced me, I knew financially, A, I have to pay the bills and B, I need enough for that vacation or I'm putting that on that credit card and that's not going to feel good. So it really motivated me to market myself and just work hard, but also stay within those boundaries I had set for my business. Do you, do you remember where you went? Disneyland. <laughs> I'm going to Disneyland. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, you, you just referred to credit cards. You had credit mm-hmm. cards. Yep. Were you of the mindset that had you already committed? I am just not going to ever go into credit card debt. Or- I I see them as a safety net, and mm-hmm. for me, having a business, it's actually how I budget things. So I put all of my business costs on my credit card, and then I pay it mm-hmm. off every month. Mm-hmm. And that takes that mental discipline to still budget, right? So it doesn't give you the excuse to just spend frivolously. 
But mm-hmm. for me, it's nice because I know when I look at my credit card statement, when I op- when I calculate my costs, they're already calculated for me. So it's just an easy way for me to kind of keep tabs of things. I I read Profit First a number of years ago, and that's something that's been helpful yeah. in how I approach business. And instead of if you're not familiar, Profit First has you open up right. 500 million thousand bank accounts to keep track of everything. Right. And I'm right. very much, what's the easiest way I can implement this? That still would be helpful and provide that separation. So that's that's how I treat my credit card. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah no, I I, I uh, read that book a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, it was very reminiscent of uh, the way I teach personal yeah. finance that have an account for this, have an account for that. Yeah. In fact, I was just looking at my tax yeah. account this morning and my in my profit account as well for my side businesses. So uh, yeah, profit first, if uh, I'll, I'll try and put that in the uh, show notes too, because that's um, it's a a lot of business owners don't realize or don't, they just assume money's going to come rolling in. And uh, if you don't have a plan for profit, you're not going to have one. Yep. And we experienced that firsthand during the COVID shutdown up in Washington. I had to close my salon for a couple months. And because I had built up a savings, a profit account, I was completely fine financially. Oh, wow. I mean, it still sucked, but you know. Oh, of course. (laughs) Right. Um, And it wasn't going to last forever. It wouldn't last forever. Right. You have, I'm assuming, uh, friends in other salons uh, and, and saw that maybe they were not as prepared. That's what inspired me to make the business shift, honestly, was uh, when we were forced to shut down, I not only did I have that safety net, but I immediately started researching when resources became available for small businesses. And I was able to take advantage of quite a few of them. So Mm -hmm. many people had no idea what they qualified for, didn't know how to apply, didn't have the taxes to back up what they've been doing for years and years. So they weren't able to qualify. And that's when I started helping small businesses and really realized, wow, there's a need here for people. And when I was able to open my salon again, I was so knee deep in the business world that I kind of didn't want to go back to the salon world. And that's when I knew it was time to completely shift businesses. Something new, a new new challenge for you. Yep. So what is it that you're doing now? You're working with other business owners. Yeah. You've de- you talk about one of the other words in your bio that uh, I love is the systems. Yeah. Because I, I, systems make can make the world go around, right? Totally. Yeah. What was that? What you were kind of working on developing while, as a business owner, and then during the shutdown, or since the shutdown? I. My salon was a well-oiled machine. I did a hybrid of cut and color and weddings. And again, I'm working four days a week. I'm working 35 hours a week and still taking pretty much every quarter. I would take about a week off to go on vacation. I would close between Christmas and New Year's, which is the busiest season for hair salon owners. Mm. And I had created this great ecosystem that just was working for me. And so I kind of figured it out. I had summited the mountain. I naively thought I would do that. And then open a salon, have a bunch of people. And around year two, I was like, wow, that is not my dream. I don't know where I'm going next. So I just was kind of stuck in the mundane. And when the shutdown happened, it was a great opportunity a t- opportunity for everybody to reassess what's most important, what really matters. And that's where the shift into business happened. And initially, to answer your question, I was doing everything, <laughs> designing yeah. logos, creating websites, anything business you need, I would help. And in time and now being in this business for, I think, unofficially two years, officially a year and a half, um, I found what I really love to do. And what I love to do is help that solopreneur, that small business owner who maybe has a small team step out of 
the burden of carrying the weight of everything. Meaning if they're the person who's doing the most amount of hair clients and they have a team of stylists under them, they should, their percentage of what they're focusing on is flipped and they need to step more into that CEO role is what I tell people. Even if you're a one person show, that CEO role, stepping more into the visionary, the big picture, and then to do that, you need the systems to help support your business. So many people start off out of passion or they create a product and accidentally they're an entrepreneur. People are buying stuff and supporting them, which is great. But to scale, you have to step out of that. This is just happening to me mode and step into this is the direction I'm taking the ship. So sometimes that direction shifts. I mean, it's it sounds yeah. like it's shifted several times for you, but what when you come across these opportunities, some people might say, just don't know what you're doing with your life, right? But <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not the mentality of uh, that that you're taking. That's not no. your mindset. No. No. What, what do you you don't see yourself as? Oh, I I spent four years in college or three years in college, or whatever, in entrepreneurship, and then I I you know you 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 eventually got there, but that's not the direction you initially took and. <laughs> There's a lot of shifts and you're, you should, you should be okay with them, right. but that's, that's, how do you, how do you explain it to people who say, are you going to settle down? And is this what you're going to do forever? Um, nobody's asked me that question, thankfully, no? <laughs> because <laughs> I think, you know, it started from a very young age. I am a very stubborn person. When I see my sights or set my sights on something, I just go for it. And I think anyone who's known me long enough knows that about me. Mm-hmm. And I just always find a way. I don't know. I just always find a way. You know, my whole thing with starting my first business was I could go walk a dog, right? If I can't pay the bills, if I can't fund this trip to Disneyland, I can go walk someone's dog. I can help paint a house. I can go work at a local coffee shop. I can always hustle for that money if I need to find a way to do it. And now older me and more experience in this, I think sometimes we lean on those safety nets too much and it actually prevents you from achieving your dream. And for me, when I think of my dream and my purpose, I'm living my purpose right now more than I ever have in my life, which is Mm -hmm. helping to teach people to fish, give them the tools they need to chase their dreams. And I do that through a lot of different things and things keep showing up. I have my own podcast, which has been a giant blessing. That's how we got kind of connected, I think, through Podmatch, I think. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, I'm just open and I have specific ways I work with people, but all these different opportunities I get to be a part of all tie into that mission. I think having that deep understanding of your why, and I call that your North Star, I think Mm -hmm. really knowing that and living that out loud and not being afraid of it, then the how, the way you get there may change and evolve, but it doesn't matter because you're guided by that why. I love love how you say you're open (laughs) um, because there's a lot of opportunities we miss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we're, if we're not, uh, as we, uh, as we, uh, approach the end here, Kelsey, first of all, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your journey and some of your struggles and, and, uh, successes. What, uh, if looking back, is there, is there one thing that you, you would share with our listeners as far as personal finance goes, one suggestion, one gem piece of advice that you'd say, Hey, if I were to do this again, I'd make sure I'd look at this or that or the other. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's a great question. I'm going to slip into, I'll be quick. <laughs> One, <laughs> give yourself grace. Take the shame yeah. out of what you're doing. You are your own person. You 
yes, you may have gotten yourself into this situation, but you also can get yourself out. And no one is telling you you did it wrong. No one is shaming you or making you feel guilty for the choices you've made. You can make a change literally today that will impact the rest of your life. And that's okay. And number two, look at it in the face and address it. I think a lot of people operate under this ignorance is bliss mentality. And with mm-hmm. finances, that's just not the case. You have to know the, the health of what's going on personally and professionally. And from there, you can make decisions and reach your goals and all those things. But it starts with those two. Oh, thank you. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I I tried to live that way that uh, with your second tip, I tried to yeah. ignore finances when I was in college. And yeah, I can just tell you it's an, it is a, makes things much more stressful than, than they are when yeah. You actually know what's going on. There's a sense of peace that comes when you just know, even if it's yeah. a big number, even, even if it feels like you aren't going to be able to tackle that, that first step of just knowing the reality and the actual number is so helpful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Kelsey, how can our uh, listeners find you if they want to connect with you online? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, my podcast is called when I grow up pod, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. It's all about advice you would give younger you. I have a mix of solo shows that are tangible business tips. I also have some amazing guests sharing their stories of how they've built different businesses. And then my name, KelseyMarieKnudsen.com or on Instagram, same thing, Kelsey Marie Knudsen. I have blogs, podcasts, all kinds of great resources to help you, whatever phase of business you're in, or even if you just want to hang out and be internet friends, I'm happy to do that too. <laughs> awesome. I'll make sure those all get in, in the show notes today. Thank you. Well, Kelsey, I appreciate you being on our show today. Thank you for uh, for your time and for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Todd. And I hope your audience got some value out of this conversation today. I'm sure they. I'm <laughs> sure they will. Uh, please, to my audience, thank you as well for uh, listening in. If you want to see uh, or check out some of our previous episodes, look at us. Look us up at moneyfit.org/podcast. Click on that uh, subscribe button below. Uh, so that uh, we can help grow this show and and get uh, these kind of great interviews and tips to to others. Uh, until the next time, so uh, for now, please stay money fit and stay well. 